The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. The last block of the rugby championship is in the barriers and ready to jump in your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Another great chat last week with uh, with Matt Toomua. So many great topics that we touched on, um, including his admission that he feels like he'd really struggle now to do the Wallabies jersey justice, which is a massive admission for a player who last wore it a little over 12 months ago. And uh, so many of you enjoyed it. So many of you got in touch uh, and you can have your say each week on the Raw or you can hit us up on the socials as always. Joining me this and every week, a man still coming to grips with Elton Yankee's sudden and dramatic Springbok unavailability, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. <laughs> how's it? How's it, Brent? Oh, how's um, it? You'll be glad to know that the, the raw travel budget's been exhausted and fatigued for you, at least a you, month. You say I'm glad to know. I'm I'm shocked to find out that there's actually a limit. <laughs> there's been a serious audit by World Rugby. Um, yeah. And- so they're looking at everything. Uh, there's some pay-to-play allegations in my in my uh, trip to Adelaide. But, I bet um, there is. Listen, listen, the the whole recent saga with Elton Yankees is actually a microcosm of his entire career. You know, <laughs> he, come, he he comes in with a bang, and then at the end, it's all whimper. It's all please, baby, don't leave me. I'm leaving this right alone. I <laughs> I have. I have nothing at this point. Uh, on to this week's guest uh, to kick off a proper preview of Bledisloe 1. It's someone who remains at the bleeding edge of sports commentary on the other side of the Tasman uh, and someone who once gave me a magazine columnist job that lasted for two years, all from one Twitter DM. The Raw Rugby Podcast. We fired up the pods Auckland Studios this week, and from there we welcome TVNZ Spark Sport and the spin-off website commentator, all-round good bloke, and genuinely one of my favourite voices in sport, the one and only Scotty Sumo Stevenson. Hello, mate. Greetings, greetings, greetings boys. Uh, I love your uh, I love your description of Elton Yankees, Harry. I mean, he obviously <laughs> did go in with a bang. That's why he's out of the team. That's hence the problems that we have. <laughs> Hence the problems. Um, now, true story, that is, Harry. Um, Sumo genuinely gave me a magazine job via DM. So how what, how good was that DM? And what, what did you say? How good was the DM? The DM was, yeah. mate, do you feel like writing an Australian column for a magazine? Went, no, all right. That's <laughs> it. That was pretty much the sum of it, wasn't it, mate? Well, I mean, that's, that's, awesome. that's how I like, I like to edit, you know. I just, like, what's the easiest thing I can do right now? I know, yeah. I know Bretto wants to write, so um, yeah. let's, let's hook the boy up with a job. Yeah. Save me, was... me 800 words a month. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, mate. And look, that was, it was, a, I've still got all, that's, we're talking about the Sky Sport magazine from, yeah. it's nearly a decade ago now. Yeah. That was yeah. Um, good times. It's funny, it's funny you say that because my mum's moving house and she goes, you've got to come and get rid of all these magazines. And I said, what magazine? Oh, Wow. Well. And of course, my mum being like a lot of mums, she she's kept them all, all the magazines yeah. written for and edited and, and and I said, mate, that's your problem. You're the one who kept them. I didn't ask you to. They're your magazines. <laughs> just bin them. Set a bonfire in the paddock next door and just be done with a lot of it. I there don't you go. want to read it again. There you when go. my mom found when my mom found a bunch of my old magazines, it wasn't like that. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, 
If only that was Elton's problem this week. Um, I've I've genuinely missed you on the Super Rugby coverage, Sumo. It's been a few years since you, you left Sky Sport, and we yeah. at the the inflection, the the love of the mighty Moon Dogs, the wordplay. Oh, the wordplay! This this yeah. clip of County's Manukau number eight Maama Vaipulu lining up some poor Manawatu midfielder in the MPC a few years ago. Booth now for Manawatu as they work their way inside County's Manukau's half. Oh, take that! Mama just killed a man. <laughs> we don't get that anymore. We don't get gems like that. The best commentary, the best times in commentary, mate, is when you can make your colleagues laugh, I say. Yeah, and um, rather poignant, actually, that clip, Brett, because uh, the bloke laughing on the sideline was Willie Lose, who uh, yeah. passed away um, late last week in South Africa. And, shock news. Uh, yeah, you know, um, Willie was always good for a laugh. And, and you know, that, that commentary, I mean, Mama's name was the gift that kept on giving. Yeah, you've um, had that one. Lo- you had that one lined up for a while. Oh, mate, of course. Cool. Full dentist committee on that one, mate. I, just, <laughs> I was waiting. It was in the pocket. I was ready to go. Just needed an opportunity. I'll freely admit to that. They don't often work good. out like that. You can have the best laid plans, but uh, the game, you know, never quite works out how you think. But on that occasion, it just came out, and yeah, I can hear <laughs> Willie still laughing on the sideline. Yeah, uh, well, us, but Vale, my friend. Um, yeah, absolutely. He, and he was the voice of the Sunwolves. He was. Willie really Lossie. The Moondogs. Oh, he the loved Moondogs. the Sunwolves game. Yeah, him How and Kenny good. Laban. They yeah. loved the Japanese uh, top league game and loved the, loved the Sunwolves. And didn't we all, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the mighty Moondogs. Very well missed. Um, a mostly rugby-free weekend, but still a few pockets of action around. So as we start every week, what stood out from us? What did you see rugby-wise this weekend, Sumo? This weekend, um, well, the top four finals over here, schoolboy finals, um, always a great time. Uh, but I think, I mean, the biggest game for me this weekend was the Farah Palmer Cup final, the women's final. Yeah, Kendra, yeah. Auckland. Kendra Coxedge, who's the most capped Black Fern of all time, 61 tests and counts named in the Black Ferns today, um, leading Canterbury to, I think, her fifth title. Um, wow. They absolutely dominated Auckland, and, and, and Kenj was uh, right in the heart of everything. Uh, a wonderful game of footy, great showcase, great crowd in place too. And, you know, like, I don't know how you guys feel about the growth of the women's game in Australia, but, you know, I would love to see the powers that be stop fighting with each other about the blokes game and start getting together about the women's game. Yes. I'd love to see a trans-Tasman Absolutely. rugby comp. Yeah. Um, so that FPC final for me was probably the highlight of the weekend, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Harry, what did you find on the weekend? Yeah, so I've been watching a, a match uh, a struggle in Paris. Yeah, there's a trial oh, in Paris yes. now, and I've been watching it very closely. So Bernard Laporte, yeah. he's a player, coach. I think he was a minister of sport under Sarkozy. Yeah, he's actually in the dock in trial in Clichy, which is this their is, highest criminal court. This is currently this is the French the French Federation president we're talking about. He's a president of the French Federation. Along with him in the dock is the vice president of the French Federation, Serge Simon. And then there's Claude Asher, who's the managing director of the world, the Rugby World Cup, or like the organization behind the World Cup, the one that's running yeah. everything. Uh, all of them highly placed in world rugby. And their defense right now to the PNF, which is a very tough corruption fighting unit that got Sarkozy, a former uh, president of France, like actually convicted him. They say to, to the, the cause, the, 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 the crime, the, um, the accusations, there's no cause and effect. 
That's their actual defense, right? I'm not saying that the money wasn't paid. I'm not saying that they didn't get the money. I'm not saying that Bernard Laporte wasn't paid by Montpellier's owner, uh, Mohamed Altarabia, who's whose name appears on the French national jersey, and it's the first time the French and, national and, jersey and the New Zealand jersey. Correct. Yeah, it was the first time it was ever pimped out. Right? There's never been a name on the French. It's always yeah. been one of those cause celebrates. We don't sell our jersey. And 180,000 euros went from very rich guy to not very rich guy, but powerful guy, uh, Bernard Laporte. And there's a, a lot of discussion over what he got for it, what he didn't get for it. But I would say this trial, which goes to the 22nd of September, I'm all about it. I know one of the lawyers is involved. So I'm listening to, so I'm actually got some of the, the arguments in court. This is a story to watch. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Play. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you've explained that. You sent me a link to it on the weekend, and I had to admit I wasn't, uh, what's going on there? So that's that's interesting. That's very, very interesting. It's, cra um, it's crazy, though, and isn't it? doesn't it say something about the avarice and capriciousness in rugby right now where you've got these high-ranking officials actually in the dock? Yeah. In the dock. This is criminal financial charges. I mean, yeah. it's, it's extraordinary. And and these guys aren't just fly-by-nighters. They are household <laughs> names in the game. Absolutely. And as Harry rightly pointed out, and you did too, Brent, you know, one of the people involved here has got his name splashed on two nations' jerseys. Yeah, and Mine. the Western Force one too, now that I think about it right. as well. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going to have to do uh, – this is going to be the funniest thing you've ever heard on this pod, or maybe not the funniest, but the strangest. I've got a brownie in the oven, and that's not a euphemism for something. I'm just going to go and take the brownie out of the oven. I'll be right back. Stand by. <laughs> it's not a euphemism. It's actually brownie. a genuine baking. Hang on. Oh, this is absolutely staying in the final edit. Hey, hey, Brad, I just want to say for our pod listeners as well, Alt, uh, Mohed Altrad has had no funding of any of my trips this year. I just want to deny before I'm accused. Right. Okay. <laughs> is that is that you're still suggesting though that you know, you're open to offers? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I'll yes. listen. Right. Just, There's a, no harm just in, in case you were wondering, it's serious. That's it's a brown. It's a genuinely brownies brown. in the yeah, oven. I, I wasn't talking about uh -oh. someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Sumo will be back in just a moment. It's it's a it's a fascinating situation, mate. We will we'll absolutely you'll absolutely have to keep us up to date uh, with that. It is very very interesting to see how that all goes down. Um, Bledisloe Cups upon us on a Thursday night. That's going to be interesting, isn't it? It'll be the first time that a, a, a rugby international in Australia has been played midweek since the George Gregan tackle on Jeff Wilson. That's oh. thir nearly thirty years ago. Since yeah, 1994. I remember that game. I was in boarding school. We were in a um, – I was in my uh, – what was I? My seventh form year, my final uh, year of high school in New Zealand. We were watching it in our common room. And I, I remember that moment so vividly. We thought for all money the golden one was going in. All Blacks have <laughs> pulled an iron from the fire. And then Gregan absolutely rinsed him in the corner. Yeah. And I think – and, I, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he still – Hates talking about it. Not, <laughs> George loves it. But George loves it. Just hates it. You can, such a defining moment in yeah. Tasman rivalry. That it's such a defining moment in two careers too. You can just imagine yeah. that that Goldie would have been thinking, "Oh yeah, I'll just this will die down after a few days. This will be all right. Play the next game, oh. it'll be fine." Like, that's, a, that's that's a Giuseppe story, isn't it? But uh, for one big, <laughs> you know.
I mean, the guy scored tries for fun, and you know, and <laughs> this enduring highlight of one tackle and the ball spilling out. Oh, oh, how bad is that? How good? How good? So we unusually um, for when we record our pods, we've we've got we've got both teams named. Australia have made eight changes. They're starting fifteen. Another six on the bench. Headlined by the recall of Bernard Foley for the first time since the twenty nineteen Rugby World Cup. Um, changes across the board. Um, I mean, a lot of it's forced. Uh, Rory Arnold's out. Noel Olaseo, mm. Hunter Paisami, both uh, both ruled out with concussion. And then they got towed up in Sydney, which was your fault, Harry, because you were there. So I don't know. <laughs> what are we? What are we? What have we made? What What do you make of, of, of the Wallabies, um, Sumo? This is um, this is very Dave Rennie areas to yeah pull out, pull out the axe. Yeah, massive Dave Rennie areas. I, I look, I they were really disappointing. Let's be honest, mm. the Wallabies against the box in that last Test match. Um, and and I know you, you spoke about the number of players out via injury. I guess Fraser McWright's a casualty of just not quite imposing himself on the game. Still young, still got plenty of time. Um, but but Renz has probably sat him down and said, "Come out and make an impact," and that's yeah. your way back. Um, and I guess uh, Fying is the other one at hooker who just probably didn't find his mark enough. Accuracy is going to be so crucial in this test match. Um, I think for the Wallabies more so than the All Blacks, they've got to find a way just to be accurate. Yeah. I like the style of rugby the Wallabies are playing. I know we've seen fluctuations in scorelines and, and results, but, well, we could say that about every team, couldn't we? But I, I kind of I, – I just – I like the intent Mm-hmm. And, and I think what what Rennie's trying to do here, and, and I know Dave pretty well, um, he's just trying to unleash the natural Australian game. And yeah. I yeah. know that's weird because it's a really hard thing to do to get guys to trust in what works for them uh, instead of copying other teams and trying mm-hmm. to match them like for like. Find the game that works for you hone in on it, refine it, and you'll get results. And yeah. that all comes down to belief. And, yeah, changing eight of these starters maybe is not that helpful in terms of that. But he's also got to build depth here of the World Cup yeah. in this full time. Yeah, yeah. And they've got to – and you're right, they're trying to find whatever this magical Australian way is, but they're also trying to get them to move away from their Brumbies instincts, their Queensland instincts, their – you know, um, and that's – not easy as 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 it never has been easy for the for the Wallabies. What have you made of it, Harry? Pete Samu's starting would be of interest for you. I'm sure we've talked about that for a bit. Yeah, I, I was calling for that to happen. Mm. I just felt like he was really one of the form uh, loose forwards and wasn't getting a real run on the paddock. Mm. Um, I'm looking at it and I'm wondering about this problem. I'm not saying it's not it's, it's going to play out this way, but a lot of times in life, especially in war, people prepare for the lost war. They look at what lost. You know, it's like the French in 1940 planning for 1918. I'm wondering, <laughs> so, so the Wallabies got toweled at the breakdown against the box. That's what really happened. They prepared for the mall and they did a pretty good job of containing that. Although the box did run 13 malls and never got sacked. Uh, it still wasn't like a weapon, right? Yeah. But the breakdown was where they lost it and they diffused the high ball and all that stuff, but they didn't manage the breakdown. So now you have Samu and you have uh, Leota. Leota, yeah. yeah. On the face of that, that's a really, that's a, a very interesting trio. Yeah. It's mm. like, we're, we're not going to get smashed at the breakdown again. You have Holloway, a hard man, Matt Phillip. We've got a back five there of like guys in a good dark alley. Let's fight. Mm. 
I wonder if the All Blacks can just shift, you know, and just say, we're not going to play that game. This mm. week, we're going to play um, NBA. And yeah, uh, it's yeah, just going to be yeah. <laughs> tips here and offloads there. So I don't know. And that's the chess game within the chess game. But I do like the intent, as, as Sumo says, of we're coming at you. I think this is a yeah. hard nut team. I think this is a, I think that's a good pack. I think that pack is yeah. saying, hey, All Blacks, you've lost four times this year. And most of the time you lost is because you lost the physical. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, let's see if, let's see if we can do that around the the pillar, the post and come yeah. smashing it to you like the Pumas did. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of subtlety about, about nah. the Australian <laughs> approach, is there? They're just, this is, this is Dave Rennie laying it out and just going, all right, here it is. Yeah, yeah but you don't deal with it. You don't need to be subtle. Um, <laughs> you, you know, you, you got to have some nuance in your game, certainly from an attack point of view. But, yeah. you know, it's also, let, let's not discount the fact that so much of the breakdown, Australia's breakdown work has been modelled on Hooper for years and yeah, years true. and years. And years. True. And, um, and Pocock before a, that. Correct. And so yeah. there's adjustments that have to be made. I mean, I don't think Australia has an out-and-out fetcher like Hooper or like Pocock in this setup right now. No. So they have to make adjustments, right? What do they do at the breakdown? Do they take the ball in? Do they stand off a little bit and attack second wave? Um, you know, that, that's going to take some really skillful coaching and also yeah. some players who are really good at their notebooks. And it's going to be a, a different approach for, for Dan McKellar as the forwards coach as well because he's used to playing the Brumbies really hard on the ball as well so it, it almost feels like the wallabies have gone well we might not get as many cracks at the ball we might actually stand off a little bit more but you're right sumo we'll we'll have a crack at the next phase and if we don't get that we'll have a crack at the next one and mm. yeah it's interesting jed holloway moving from blindside back into lock is interest interest interests me he played there um all season for the waratahs he effectively came back from japan um, you know, a, a converted lock having gone over there as a as a back rower and number eight predominantly. Um, I'm interested to see how that goes because I think uh, Rory Arnold, for as good a player as he is, I don't think quite got there during the two South African tests. And this sort of feels like Holloway going back to his natural spots, I think. Yeah, and I think, I think the, it's interesting because you have some, some moving around on the New Zealand side too. You know, yeah. you have... Who we call the hallway pounder. He would have been the prefect in boarding school. Sumo was holding your face at the toilet. Uh, yeah, he just has that look about him, doesn't he? Like you know. Yeah. Uh, but Hos- <laughs> you, have, you have Hoskins uh, backing him up. So that that two, that, those two least trios, and we and we can throw Jed Holloway as kind of a guy who you know plays both. Mm. The to me, the approach to the break- breakdown, the the body height is going to be really low and hard. I mean, these are guys who come really hard. You have to watch yeah. as a teammate. You watch. You know, you want to wear scooter. Where, is he going to hit me in the back? So I think that it's not that a, not a mobile um, all black trio with um, <clears throat> Barrett and Kane, mm. um, but Samu could be one of those guys who changes that. He's got a, he's got real wheels. He's mm. got a nice toe. Mm. Um, I'm really fascinated by that loose trio matchup with the additions of Jed Holloway as kind of an extra loose forward. I, I yeah. think maybe Rennie's looking for some tip passes. Uh, what has also opened up the All Blacks this season has been that little extra pass between the forwards, yeah. not just the backs. So, yeah, yeah, I think that yeah. We, we're looking at some interesting tactical shifts here. Parecki starting... Um, throwing to his his primary jumper at the Waratahs in Holloway's, I think is is very deliberate too. There's there's method to that, but it's the it's the recall of the old firm um, in the black jersey. It's white lock and Retallick 
isn't it? It's yeah, yeah, well, and, and that's forced Barrett. Uh, they obviously like Barrett. It's funny, my my esteemed colleagues at the Alternative Commentary Collective call Barrett the dog roll. You know the old, <laughs> but yeah. um, look, yeah. you know, it's Barrett's still a work in progress. It's still an experiment that you know. I think we've seen glimpses of what it can be, but I don't know if we've seen it fully paid dividends. So I think the All Blacks are still missing it out and out in four or six. Mm. Um, maybe they've decided that they're moving away from that, but the best All Black sides had a very good six in them. And yes. uh, you know, the Jerome Kano era springs to mind straight away. Um, just a beast, a guy who just hit people hard, dominant yeah. tackles, didn't have to worry too much about jackling, but was pretty good in the open, supporting midfielders in that department, uh, but just dominated, you know, cast a big shadow. Um, and and Barrett, what's, what's your feeling on Shannon Frizzell so far? Is it kind of mixed bag, or yeah, I, I think he, I think he was doing the job, and then he's picked up an injury, unfortunately, and and that's yeah. what puts Barrett back to the side. Oh, look, I like Frizzell. I mean, Frizzell's different. I think Frizzell's got a little little bit of, you know, he's got a bit of something about him, but I still don't think I've seen Shannon Frizzell truly impose himself. Yeah. On a game yeah. of footy. And that's no disrespect to the guy. He's still finding his feet at international level. I know he's had a couple of seasons now, two or three, to get involved, but you know, injury hasn't hasn't helped him. But yeah, you know, we to me, six is still a scary position. It's a scary man position. Yeah. And, and you know, like maybe I'm being old school and, and and maybe I'm I'm revealing something of myself here that I'm not moving with the times, but you know, I I would love no, to. No, no, mate. It's it's the kids that are wrong. Yeah, <laughs> usually. But the other thing for Barrett at six is that he's just prone to defensive penalties. He's yeah. he's prone to ill discipline. In fact, all yeah. the Barrett boys are. They get a bit backyard on it during test matches. <laughs> but if I, seriously, if I was a team, Great way of putting it. I, I would target them. I would target yeah. them relentlessly um, and and try and force those penalties because they 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 get niggled. And, um, you know, we've seen, we certainly saw throughout the start of the season during the Irish series, you know, the the Barrett's give away some penalties. They can Mm. also be car trouble too. Yeah. If if there's going to be a niggle like Sydney style, you know, Etzebeth Alatoa, who Mm. will it be in this match? Who will it be? Will it be, I'm I'm thinking Matt Phillip versus Scott Barrett. Yeah, probably. Probably. Could be Holloway. With with Retellick back in the starting lineup, you won't find the guzzler too far from that. I mean, he he, he loves a stand up. He loves a collar hold. Um, You know, he'll get up in your grill. He's got a big face on him, and um, yeah, he he won't be shy. And he'd want to impose himself too. You know, look, this is his first start in a long time, so he's got a job to do out there, Brody Retellick. And you know, he's. He is one of the enforcers of the All Black side. So I think if there is some genuine beef, um, you won't find him too far from the butcher's knife. No, certainly not. Uh, Backline-wise, the, the All Blacks are unchanged, which is uh, a nice luxury. The, the Wallabies have gone gone full noise, though. Um, Jake Gordon starting at, at scrum half next to Bernard Foley. <laughs> uh, Andrew Kellaway um, back at fullback and... Um, uh, Fichetti back at inside centre as well. So still feels a little bit experimental, particularly in, in midfield. Um, you've you've liked what you've seen in Fichetti, Harry, from memory? Yeah, I do. I like, I think Dave Rennie talked a lot about having um, that kind of, I don't know, that animal aggro spirit in his back line too. He didn't want just a forward pack that was um, mean and, and gnarly. He wanted um, real players. I think that's a pretty tough back line. Mm. Uh, maybe. 
I mean, for all of Foley's limitations uh, as an exit kicker, for example, he's 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 a guy who really competes. Um, mm. Jake Gordon is interesting for me at the Sydney match. You know how you go to a match and we were not very far from the field. You get to pretend that you're a coach or a scout, right? So I'm watching all your number nines and they had to do this drill where they're kicking a box kick, someone catches it, and then they have to pass it back about 25, 30 meters. Yeah. Jake Gordon had the best left or right rope on a, yeah, like a, right. an actual pass, uh, much better than Tate. Tate's was uh, kind of wafting in the wind. I thought for a while it was never going to come down. And, uh, and, and also Nick White didn't have a strong enough uh, pass to get there on a yeah. rope. So actually I'm, I'm interested if that's a – Another thing of, of giving Foley, Fakedi, Ikatao that extra half second, that, that yeah. crucial second. Could you can be. get it on the ruck or you can get it on the pass like Aaron yeah. Smith. Could be. Or one and, or the and other. Just get Rennie, that extra half second. Dave, uh, Dave Rennie said on Tuesday that, that they just felt that, that Nick White probably didn't have his best game in Sydney, which is – I don't think that was being mentioned afterwards. So, Well, just let, let's not forget, mate, he's, he's had a pretty long career. You know, going yeah. back to back, consecutive games, going to take a lot of out, yeah. a lot, yeah. lot out of them. And I, I like Jake Gordon, and you know, this this could be weekday at Bernie's, couldn't it? But yes. you know, you're, you're talking about a guy as you mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago, Brett. I mean, he hasn't played since what the World Cup 2019. Yeah, well, um, he hasn't played at all since May. He hasn't played since uh, well, the the third fourth playoff in League so what, One, which what, is the what, end what of May. So, what does he want more than anyone else on the field? He wants time. Yeah, and, and if Jake Gordon can rip one at him and give him time to make those decisions, because like you know that that Maunga and Kane are going to be in his face all yeah. day, yeah, all day. This is a huge test for Bernard Foley. I mean, it's a big ask to come yeah. back and and play a test match against the All Blacks, experienced or not. What is he? Seventy-one tests now. Yeah, but you know the time out of the game, the time out of international rugby. If Jake Gordon can give him two tenths of a second. Man, he'd take that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it is going to be fascinating to see how he goes, and I certainly wish him all the best because yeah, likewise. Um, with Noel Lolasio having ongoing concussion issues, and that's obviously a concern. The the young the young fly house from New South Wales are all yet to debut, and you're not going to throw him into a Bledisloe test. James O'Connor's picked up what's feared to be a fairly significant ankle injury um, playing club footy up in Brisbane on the weekend. So. Mm. Uh, Obviously, Quade Cooper's had action for a while. If this sort of feels like it's a real, real, real delicate match this week, this, Adam this game. Ashley Cooper, bring Adam <laughs> Ashley. Cooper. Well, he's oh, fit enough. Don't. Maybe he's fit enough. He's, you know, he told me. He, ask, could, he told me he can play ten. He told me. I that. bet he did. Adam would tell you he could play front row. Let's be honest. <laughs> just have a dig. If there was a match for you involved, he'd be into it. Hey, mm-hmm. here's the thing, right? Why is James O'Connor? Why is James O'Connor playing club footy on the weekend? Yeah, well, I, uh, I don't understand that. I mean, I can understand some guys in the All Blacks going back into you know, NPC rugby over here who haven't had a lot of game time, who mm. you know, and maybe you know aren't starting players. But if James O'Connor is absolutely key. To your chances guiding your wallaby team around who's let the guy go and play club footy i don't it's, that. it's a it's a fair question considering dave rennie said uh, earlier this week that that lola seal and uh and paisami were ruled out on friday mm. so i mean ob- obviously mate, was, i'm just saying if i'm the yeah, coach, no, it's, a fair question. it's a fair and question I'm, uh, mate just keep yeah. it even 
even if he's not entirely in favour, and the fact that he was left out of the, the squad for the South African test suggests that he's not, and he's been back playing with brothers in, in prison for, for a few weeks now, it, just the fact that there's another injury with Lolasia, it might be the time to think, well, hang on, let's maybe just just put him on ice for a bit. But then you try and tell someone that you can't play in a preliminary final and yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Um, well, Thursday night. Well, I was given the option between a preliminary final and a Bledisloe Cup test. But yeah, I, well, I, there is that. Yeah, there I'll is just, that. Hey, yeah. good on, by the way, good on for playing club footy. Like yeah. I admire that. I really, I really truly do. But that's not my argument. My argument is no, no, no. And I get that. Absolutely get that. You can see that. You can see that there's a little bit of trouble on the horizon. You, you really want to keep your, your players on hand. Yeah. I would thought. Particularly knowing the concerns that uh, that the Wallabies have got at, at ten um, Thursday night rugby. It looks like it's going to be pretty close to a sellout under the roof down in Melbourne, which is fantastic news. I must admit, I thought oh, Thursday night in Melbourne, this could be anything, but. Um, look, you know, if Melbourne wants to be the sporting capital of the world, then good luck to them, I suppose. Oh, what a what a great opportunity for the game! You know, you're yeah. in the middle of the AFL. Uh, I mean, you know, sometimes you feel in Australia that, it, that if you wanted to compare sports to '90s drug takers, rugby would be the a hole in the k hole. Um, <laughs> you know, while everyone else is just lining up. Episode and- title. i've already written down two others so i mean like good on them just like why not have a crack mate get into afl heartland and have a go have a good dig at it and uh, and put on a show good on the the irony being that they decided to play the thursday night to get away from potential friday and and saturday preliminary finals in melbourne and now the weekend will be free swans and the pies in sydney in sydney no problems at all On the roar, Simo, the rugby championship, and we've been saying for a few weeks now. We we can't remember one what it's been tighter. All four teams are on two wins. Um, the points differentials probably tells us a little bit about the four side, but the fact remains this this block of games now is going to be crucial. This weekend is actually going to be crucial, and you know it's only going to take someone to play the game of the tournament, and we could be looking at a, at a new rugby champion. Yeah, I, I mean, I look at their points differential because on points differential, you, you look Australia, I think, third, Argentina, fourth, South Africa, second, mm. New Zealand, number one. New Zealand, number one by virtue, really, of that big swing against Argentina. In the yes. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and um, I, I'm going to give the All Blacks credit for finding their groove, but am I the only one who thought that that Argentinian side looked like they'd been on the piss for five days? <laughs> After winning that test in Christchurch, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, there's a false dawn sort of vibe about that for yeah. me. Uh, take nothing away, seven tries, great result. They were much, much better than the All Blacks. Yeah, but I even go back to the first round, Australia Argentina. There was an eighty point swing in that series. Yeah, I know, an eighty point swing. Like that's remarkable in the rugby championship. I've never seen anything like that. Um, and I, I think I, I kind of agree with the assessment. Bredo, that, that, you know, points differential probably does tell a story, but not the whole story. No. Uh, I think there's just so many outlier results so far in this tournament, which is great for the tournament, uh, but not so great for the punters. Yeah, absolutely. How scary would Marcos Kramer, I mean, oh, just imagine oh, that guy at a yes. bar and, oh. and you're, you're like, your job is to move that guy from the bar. I'm sorry, sir, but senor, you had too many. 
Crema Petty and Montoya tearing up the bars of Hamilton. Yeah. The problem with that is you'd get rid of those three and then Love and Nini would come and king hit everyone on the bar. It would be a nightmare. I just say, hey, the Argentinians roll into town. You just get out of the way. You just say, look, someone light a fire, someone put a cow on it, someone yeah. open a bottle, let's yeah. let them do their thing. Well, it's, funny about, it. it's, it's funny about Love and Nini, though, when he actually takes his scrum cap off, he actually has like a face like a baby. He's like the baby assassin. <laughs> Whereas Kramer would look if you had a, if you were on the road and you were on a touring team with Kramer and that was your roommate and you woke up in the morning, who's just go holy? I'm <laughs> out of here. No, it is. He, he looks like an '80s action movie villain. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's what it's called. You keep expecting See? you keep expecting someone like Indiana Jones to come up and just sort of that's the guy he's facing off with. <laughs> you just want to see it. Love it, love, and then he walks into a judiciary hearing without the scrum cap. And is, that's not the same guy. No, uh, oh. six down to three. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how that's how it works. Imagine if What's, he was a triplet. Imagine that. Oh, oh, goodness, oh, goodness. This is um, it's like it's it's the home stretch. The last couple of games, we're in the the depth phase. Harry is how you've worded these last two games to the rugby championship. Yeah, because I don't. I'm not really convinced. I know that. Um, Rossi and and Jacques do know their their fifteen, and actually there's a quite there's a quite a lot of continuity between 2015, 2019, 2023 in their planning, yeah. but I'm not sure that they've in, in, in that really, they're using exactly the same plan. I mean, you can light you can light <laughs> them down, and actually there's actually a lot. Of, I put a green color on them, and you can actually see the continuity. It's just yeah. nine nine and uh, basically backup fifteen, yeah. still being worked out, but it's close. Yeah, to me, Rennie is still actually finding that. So I think that's yeah, fascinating. The split is slow because you know these changes are not brought on by necessity. He actually is trying to see yeah what unit he can put on. I think the I think the bench for the Wallabies interesting this this weekend or this yeah. uh, Thursday. Uh, with Pattaya coming back, I think you, you'd fancy Pattaya having a run at the All Blacks uh, from a kick, not just um, kicking it back. And I think he'd take a take a crack. Yeah. But no, I, I do I do wonder. I think Cheka said on the, on this pod he was saying that uh, he really wanted to do things differently. Yeah, and um, so and, we, really and we and we know he's looking for we, he's looking for different things at the moment because he because he yeah. told us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then yeah. you know. We're, with Foster, you think it's just more this whole season just been survival. It's just been like, you know, trying to yeah. figure out just what can I do to make the axe go away from my head. Um, <laughs> and that'll yeah. be fascinating in, in itself because, I mean, things have, have quietened up a little bit on that front soon. I mean, he's got the full backing of the board now through the Rugby World, Rugby World Cup. But if Ian Foster becomes the coach that loses the Bledisloe Cup... Holy moly, it's yeah. going to kick off again. Do you know what? I, I think he's the kind of guy who, you know, who, who knows he's probably never going to be the popular choice and probably yeah. never has been. Um, and, and he's quite he's quite open about that. He's quite candid about that. Like, tough time. Man. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the expectations over here are huge, as you yeah. guys know. Like, that, that's just life. That's life in the all-black spotlight. You, you know, you've built a record. Uh, you market your team on that success rate. Uh, the fans follow you based on that success rate. That is life uh, in that environment. And he knows it. The team knows it. I think it's been galvanizing for the players. And, and that's something that you, you may well look back on in a year's time and think that was the moment that this team rediscovered or refound mm. what its purpose was. Um, yeah, but, yeah, look... Uh, 
survival's one thing for sure. Having Schmidt and Ryan now in the mix, I think it's huge for Ian Foster, just having trusted voices, guys who've, you know, really got some some dialed in skill sets in their in their areas. Um, and that allows Foster maybe to think of a little bit broader to sort of zoom out and and, and manage the team and in a kind of the football sense of managing a team. Yeah. Um but you, look, you know, look, it's been a challenge, man. It's, and yeah. it's been hectic over here for sure. Do you, do you yeah. feel like do you feel like they're holding anything back though at the moment? Do you feel like they're playing the full playbook? No, and I don't think any team is. Yeah. Um, look, some teams have the luxury of 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 having the talent and the skill set to be able to adapt in game, and that's it's one of the things about this All Black season so far that's been lacking is their adaptation in game adaptation. Yeah, um, the best test teams in the world, champion teams, adapt in game, and and that's one thing that I think the All Blacks are desperate to find again. Just their ability to go from Plan A to Plan D, if needs must, um, and I think that's what you're going to see over the next few games, these couple of games against Australia, and then certainly on that Northern tour. Yeah. And, and just on that point, I I don't want to keep you too long, but you know, I, the World Cup's not as close as people think. There's still plenty of test matches to go for these coaches. Yeah, we're still talking yeah. 14 or 15 games between yeah, mate, next you know, September, aren't we? You've, yeah. you've got a November series. You've gone back into Super Rugby. You've got another rugby championship. You've got a June mm. series before that. I mean, there's there is actually time. Mm. Um, coaches at international level love to ramp the pressure up on you know from a public point of view, so that you always feel like these guys have got a really tough job, but. You know, they've got time to figure out who their best combinations are and how that combination is going to play the game and what will, and in every World Cup does, come down to maybe four really tough games on your way to a title. Yeah, the, the quarterfinals next year are going to be... Like, Epic. The quarterfinals, I mean, it always is, but the knockout stage next year is going to be unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, so, so Sumo, um, I know that in some regards... Um, Ian Foster reminds me of, of King Charles the Third. You know, he's just one of those guys that the public. It's hard to pack. It's hard to package him for the public. He's just a, it's yeah. a difficult package if you're a PR person. Um, much like Elton Yankees and uh, and that candle <laughs> no win. I mean, he's an adaptive playmaker. Uh, he's got good hands, and he has always you know done the unexpected. But are we still talking about rugby now? Yeah, <laughs> to my actual point. <laughs> The, the whole, like, I, I think, you know, this, it's clear to me that the rugby championship has never achieved Six Nations status where no. it's so prestigious that you'll do anything on that moment, even roll out, you know, uh, you know a Johnny Sexton who might have a niggle or you have, you know, just you have to play for that game because it goes down in the history books, in the hallowed history books. Yeah. Rugby championships always been All Blacks, you know, cup to lose. Um, and then people, I think, like Rossi Erasmus kind of, Put the Mickey on it uh, in the lead up to 2019 by just having wholesale changes. No one mm. seems to care about every single match, so it's difficult to handicap. But <clears throat> do you? What do you think would make the rugby championship more of a prestigious, you know, must-have, do-or-die kind of cup? Well, good question. Well, I mean, to that point, you know, rugby, one of rugby's problems in this part of the world, I think, is that every competition is used as a as an almost a trial. Yeah. Rugby becomes a trial. You know, what yeah. a 12-week trial, Jesus. You know, murderers have had less time in the dock than that. <laughs> you know, so you've got 
you've got this real trial feel about Super Rugby, and our coaches do this, and and they belittle the game by doing it. They say, mm. you know, oh, Test match rugby is so different. So you, you know, you you push Super Rugby down to here, and then you get into Test match time, and you get into Rugby Championship. And all anyone wants to talk about is we're building to the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. So once again, you push down. You push everything down, yeah, for four years. So, so what you know, and if you're a fan of the game, which we all are, at what point do we just go? All right, we'll just give us a call then when a game's important. Yeah, and because the last <laughs> thing we the last thing we want is three and a half years of international friendlies leading yeah. into a World Cup. Well, you um, don't. I, there, yeah. There's got to be something on it, and. Harry, I, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I, I just maybe it's just the fact that what are we talking? I mean, the Tri Nation since nineteen ninety six. We're not exactly talking about a an historic tournament here. Although mm. you you would think by now, what twenty six, twenty seven years deep into this, we, we might we might have a little cachet around it. Mm. But it's yeah, just like, that, there's no hype. The there's nothing. No. Yeah, the individual rivalries, like uh, an, an all-black Springboks match, is always a big thing, but it yeah. exists um, in its own vacuum almost. It would always be fun. It would always yeah. be good. And, well, it's the same and then as we don't care like... about the log points. Oh, yeah. my yeah. gosh, I only got one log point against Argentina. It's, it's right. It seems incidental. Yeah. Well, here's, here's, that's an interesting point you raise because how has this match on Thursday been built? Split the cup. It's not a rugby championship. Yeah. Split is like what? Yeah. Even that takes precedence yeah. over the actual championship you're supposed to be playing for. And I'm sure Ian Foster has said something along the lines of, I'm sure I'm paraphrasing him here, saying, we'd love to win the rugby championship, but we definitely do not want to lose the Bledisloe. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> that's... That's it. Maybe that's just history, though, mate. You're talking yeah. about a cup that's been played for for a lot longer than professional rugby's existed. Yeah, right. um, so there, yeah. there's some genuine prestige about the Bledisloe. Yeah. Um, and also, New Zealand have really made a point of of making that about what the rivalry is. We've got the Bledisloe, nah, 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 nah. It's a kind of, <laughs> it's just how, it's how New Zealand rugby rolls, right? When it comes that's a banner. That's the banner in the locker room as they run out. It says, no, 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 It probably would. Oh, goodness, goodness. Mate, look, it's been um, it's been a fantastic chat. I really, really enjoyed this. We, I can't actually believe it's taken 35 episodes to get you on, and it won't take another 35 before we bring you back. I can tell you that. Thanks so much for joining us uh, on the Raw Rugby Podcast. Hey, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, here's hoping for a great match. Uh, and, yeah. and look, I, I know Melbourne people love their code. And um, I love Australian rugby and New Zealand rugby, as you well know, Brett. And, you know, this this rivalry is so important, I think, to both countries. Yeah. So let's see the boys get into it on the field, but let's also see our administrators get into it off the field as well. Let's mm. um, realise how important we are to each other. Yeah, well, we haven't even yeah. got into uh, the, the, the possible smoking of the peace pipe around Super Rugby either. So <laughs> that's another chat for another day. Great to talk to you, mate. Good on you. Cheers, Sumo. See you, Barry. See you, Harry. The Roar. Mate, fantastic to have Scotty Stevenson. Uh, always great chat to uh, with, with Sumo. Uh, great to have him on the pod. We'll definitely have him on again in the coming 
in the coming weeks and no, years. He's, he's brilliant. He's, yeah. he's brilliant. He's a, he's a guy that just has, you know, so many phrases. We usually have a, we have a post-pod meeting about what the title should be, and it's like we're trying to find the title. <laughs> so many in options. Case, we have five or six that we yeah. know are good. So many have, options. Subtitles. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I might just go to the first. First one might be the best one. Uh, mate, Rugby Championship Round 5 uh, kicks off into action Thursday night with Australia taking on New Zealand in Melbourne. That's a 7.45 kickoff at the Dockland Stadium. That's Australian Eastern Standard Time, so check uh, your times, wherever you might be. Argentina hosts uh, South Africa in Buenos Aires. It's Sunday morning Australian time. Um, it'll be Saturday afternoon and, and evening in Argentina and, and South Africa. Um, a little bit of news around, mate. Um, it's it's a massive congratulations to the Australian women's sevens squad who yeah. completed the sevens triple crown on the weekend, beat New Zealand 24-22 to claim the Sevens Rugby World Cup. They'd already wrapped up the Commonwealth Games gold uh, right. Sevens World Series. Yeah, fantastic yeah. team. Really, really talented squad of um, of good players. And they're, they're young too. So this is going to be a squad that's going to be together for a good while. Fiji claimed the Men's World Cup. They beat New Zealand 29-12. Um, Ireland beat Australia to take bronze. Um, the Western Force have confirmed a partnership with newly branded Japanese club uh, Urasu D-Rocks. That's the artist formerly known as the NT. Shining Arcs. Um, they'll <laughs> play two games in on November 6 and 12. Uh, the Queensland Reds have confirmed um, fly half and midfielder Lawson Crichton has re-signed for two years. The ACT Brumbies have re-signed centre Chris Fayawai Saltia uh, for another year. The Melbourne Rebels have signed Australian-born 14-test Italian flyer Monte Iwane on a one-year deal. He uh, returns home to Melbourne after nine years overseas, made his professional debut with Stade Francais as a teenager, um, played for Benetton in Italy, got a call-up to the Italian national side uh, three or four years ago. Jeff Parks has been tipping us off about him for... Uh, a little while now. He's going to be a really good signing good for the Eagles, I think. Solid, solid player. Yeah, yeah. yeah really, really good. Uh, on the on the club front, mate, West Scarborough are the premier grade champions in Perth. They beat the University of Western Australia 45-37 in the grand final on the weekend. In Canberra, the Queanbeyan Whites have claimed their first John Ident Cup premiership in a decade. Uh, they beat minor premiers Canberra Royals 29-16 in a pretty one-sided affair on Saturday. Uh, in Brisbane, the University of Queensland have got a shot at back-to-back premierships. They beat Brothers 36-22 in a prelim final on Sunday. They'll face Wests in the grand final this weekend. And as I mentioned, James O'Connor, unfortunately, was helped from the mm. field uh, for Brothers after just three minutes. So hopefully the news around that major ankle injury isn't so bad. Um, and just to finish, mate, Samo and international Brumbies fly half Rod Yona um, is heading your way, signed with uh, New Orleans Gold in the uh, Major League Rugby uh, for next season. He'll be a good signing. I think he'll do really well over there. He's played... He definitely played in Japan, but he might actually have played in the MLR before. Yeah, I, I think know. so. I think and he MLR's has. Yeah, getting, they're getting a lot more talent, so it's yeah. Interesting. There's there's some yeah. there's some some really really healthy and really handy um, players heading that way. So uh, good to see that the MLR is kicking along. But mate, I think that's us done. That's episode thirty five of the Raw Rugby Podcast done and behind us. Don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials. And don't forget to drop us a line on the Raw when the new episode page lands. The Thursday 2-Up is back this week with a bit of a rant. We're going to drag soapboxes into position. And 
Harry and I will be back with Jim Tucker on Thursday night with another Instant Reaction pod after Bledisloe 1 in Melbourne. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe on your pod platform of choice, and you'll make sure that you get that new episode as soon as it drops. Uh, It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis, opinions, and conversations. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. Come play with us.